Welcome to Music Journeys. I'm Mike Foley. On the show today, Morgan James, whose latest album, Nobody's Fool, finds her returning to her R&B roots and paying tribute to Jeff Buckley and Prince. James details the inspiration for the songs, and she carries that love of R&B and 90s music into her Fast Five selections, too. Morgan James, our featured guest on this edition of Music Journeys, Thanks for listening. Hi, everybody. This is Morgan James, and this is my music journey. Everybody opens the 12-track Nobody's Fool release from Morgan James. This collection of songs is probably my most cohesive record to date. It's definitely a journey informed by the best of 90s R&B. You know, I grew up on 90s music, everything from Mariah Carey to Sade, Maxwell, D'Angelo, Babyface. And my first record, Hunter, was really an R&B record. And I knew that I wanted to return to that eventually. So once we locked into wanting to do that and wanting to lean into that nostalgia with original music, um, we all got really excited to play with that, um, both visually and audio-wise. Also known for honoring artists that have influenced her journey in music, James wanted one special cover for the album, which she recorded in Memphis, Tennessee. Jeff Buckley came to mind. covered his entire album Grace um, a few years back from my YouTube channel. And when it was time to do this record, we wanted it to be the Jeff tune, uh, Everybody Here Wants You, in part because he died in Memphis, Tennessee on the trip where he was going to record his second album, which was going to include that song. And when we were returning to Memphis, we wanted to finish what he started and and try to um, just pay homage to his memory or, or just throw something up to him because he was such a special singer and songwriter. The love of singing and songwriting for James can be traced back to frequent family moves 
and her parents' vinyl collection. I was born in Boise, Idaho. Uh, we lived in Pocatello for most of my childhood, Pocatello, Idaho. We moved around a ton. I think by the time I was a sophomore in high school, we had moved maybe 17 or 18 times. Tennessee, we lived in Utah. We moved to Northern California when I was in junior high. We did lots and lots of long road trips. And so I, I can hear the cassette being flipped over and yeah, you know, having a big stack of cassettes, you had to be ready for the long road trip. My parents had a huge vinyl uh, collection when I was a kid and a record player. And we had such eclectic taste in music at home. And I think that just informed a really, really wide love and taste in music. The fact that music was always playing, you know, I, I don't know that that happens in every single household, but it certainly gave me the impression that music is a part of a gathering. It's a part of joy. It's a part of happiness in your life. Let me keep you. Music and theater and the arts, you don't choose it, it chooses you. And I joined a choir when I was in seventh grade. I would see my dad direct shows because he was a drama teacher and I would see my mom perform in shows. And so I, I had an appreciation for it, but where I found my own love for it was joining choir and kind of discovering that I had a voice that people wanted to hear. And then I found musical theater and I found singing in a real serious way. And that was kind of it. By the time I got to high school, it was I couldn't be convinced otherwise. I was so fortunate to chat with you when uh, the Christmas album came out and you dropped a little nugget there about a karaoke machine. Can you refresh uh, my memory and, and our listeners as well about the importance of that and how that helped uh, <laughs> spark things? Yes, my grandma got me a karaoke machine for Christmas. I want to say maybe I was 11 or 12 and I they got me all the tapes that went with it. My grandma and grandpa heard me sing on it and my grandmother said, "You I think you have real serious talent. I want to get you some voice lessons and I will pay for them as long as you're serious about it." And she paid weekly for my voice lessons until I was well out of college. It was just our special thing that we shared. And she was such a big part of me getting the training that I really wanted. i
My journey into becoming a recording artist was um, a circuitous path. And again, not something that I knew I was going to embark upon. I wanted to be on Broadway. So after college, I pursued that wholeheartedly. It took me a long time to get there. And, you know, I was kind of cooking along doing theater and Broadway shows and commercials and various other kind of theater adjacent things. And I started a band and I was kind of wondering what the next step should be. And when I met Mr. Gordy, Barry Gordy Jr., who I met when I was doing Motown on Broadway, and he took a liking to me right away and became my mentor and my friend. And he's who got me a record deal. He's who encouraged me to keep writing and creating. He just has been an incredible force in my life. And so I got signed to a record deal to Sony Records, to Epic, before I really had any songs written, before I really knew who I was as an artist. I just got signed as a voice. That started my kind of recording journey in a in a in a little bit of an untraditional fashion. One of the other big milestones was, of course, Prince hearing my cover of Call My Name, and he loved it, and he allowed me to release it. He, you know, gave his blessing for me to do a video. What's the matter with the world today? Home of the free, somebody lied. They can buy my phone, come around my home. They'd only see you me making love. I love you so first song I ever arranged. I've been singing that arrangement of Call My Name for a long, long, long time. And um, I was really proud of it. I knew I wanted it on my first record. And L.A. Reid and everybody at Epic said, oh, we're not, we can't put it on the record because Prince will never say yes. And I was like, well, why don't you just call him? And they're like, no, he's too hard to deal with. I'm not going to do it. And I was like, well, I think if he heard it, he would like it. And they're like, yeah, it's too much work. Cut to a year later, I'm still begging everybody to do it. And finally, L.A. Reid calls Prince and Prince is like, I love it. So it was definitely a little bit of an I told you so moment that I felt very proud about. And you should. That's great. And that's good advice to be. You, you never know until you ask, right? I mean, you never know until you ask. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's Fool But Mine, for sure. I think that's my number one favorite. That's basically 
Doug and I, in our attempt to write a Prince song or to write something that we think would be in the Prince vein. And, um, you know, I'm really proud of the song um, I'll Be Holding On. Uh, It features the Morgan State University Choir. And that song has a lot of meaning for me because uh, it's really a dedication to uh, a friend we lost last year. and, And it was really us trying to process our grief. Doug and I were both going through a real crisis with our two best friends that were sick. And we wrote a song about what if they don't make it? What do you do when you lose someone that you can't bear to lose? And my best friend pulled through and his did not. And it's become something that's really helped us grieve is to do the only thing we know how to do, and that's make music. You know, I had this one for later on, but, uh, you know, since you mentioned Doug, uh, Doug Womble, the ability to sort of experience life and music, you know, with your husband, just to kind of have that partner in both areas, how special and meaningful is that for you? Oh, it's so special, so meaningful, so rare. And we're really lucky that we like each other enough to be together 24 hours a day. (laughs) We're so lucky to have found a musical partnership that um, has really transformed both of our lives. And we have so much fun. This musician life is so hard. And if you don't have somebody to do it with, it's, um, it's, it's even harder. So we're so lucky. Well, the song Let It In, which is one of my favorite tracks on the album, we wrote it a while back back and we were kind of working on the arrangement. We got into the studio, we recorded it, we recorded every single part except the vocals were last. And when I got into the booth, I think it was the very last song I was working on because I was really having trouble making it work. And I got into the booth and I said, I just don't like this chorus at all. I hate it. I just am not excited about it. I don't want to do it. And Doug just got on the talk back and said, write a new chorus. Like it's your it's your song. It's your record. <laughs> and I was like, okay, well I, I don't know. Like what should it be? And he was like What would Mariah do? And we just rewrote the chorus right in the booth. Try hard, can't win 
and it became one of my favorite songs on the album. So it, it's like, I think it's a real testament to being flexible with your ideas. And um, I just love how it turned out. Morgan, is that something that you think that probably wouldn't happen if you weren't independent? And, you know, that, that's a tremendous blessing to be able to have that ability and to say, I don't like this, I'm going to change it. A lot of artists are given, this is what it is and sing it this way. And then, but then when they do that, it's not believable. It's not genuine. Everything I do is made possible because I'm independent and because I have freedom, because I am not a person that does well with being told what to do. And I, I like picking I am so hands-on I pick every font every color every piece of merch is designed by me like or, you know is overseen by me is everything that I do I want a hand in it I want people to know that that it came directly from me authentically nobody answers my social media posts nobody does anything but me and I'm so lucky to do that. Like, of course are there things that are made harder by being independent? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> I am. I'm exhausted by that a lot. Um, there is such a blessing and a curse to having, you know, the buck stops here. But that also means at the beginning and end of every day, I'm the only one that really, really has to stand for everything on a quality front, on an integrity front. And that means I have to dot a lot of I's and cross a lot of T's. You know, I don't have an assistant or anything like that. I have an amazing management team and agents and all that. But at the end of the day, I really do have to um, get it all done myself. And I'm not as young as I once was. It's all very tiring. But <laughs> it's um, I would never trade the freedom and the creative opportunity that I have. The interludes that are on the on the album are really, really good. I I, I don't want them to end. I wonder if you could uh, talk <laughs> talk about those a little bit. This was a song. It was one song that we started writing with Rafael Sadiq. Doug and I um, visited him in L.A. in his studio a few years back when I was still on Epic Records. And we were toying with the idea of maybe him producing a track or two on my what was then going to be my second record. So we recorded this and with the intent of following up and finishing it. Well, then I got dropped from the label and time went on and the song kind of got lost. And I said, you know, I've always loved those little snippets. I wonder if we could re-record them and make them little interstitial moments that could take us and so that the mood could continue throughout the album. And um, yeah, Rafael Sadiq is such an incredible artist, writer, producer, force. So um, I'm glad that, that what we created has a little bit of life.
Music is the way I process everything from joy to grief and everything in between. And I don't know what I would do without it. When the pandemic hit, what was scary was, you know, we all lost our jobs. Of course, we lost our livelihood. The reason that I was okay is because Doug and I were together and we could still make music. We were so lucky. And if you take away an artist's ability or a musician's ability to make music, a lot of sadness comes down with that. So yeah, you know, it's just, I'm so thankful live music is back and music is the way I know how to, how to go through life. Speaking of live music, Morgan has several upcoming tour stops, including Cleveland and Cincinnati. All the details at morganjamesonline.com. We had a little more fun in the Fast Five. Here we go. If you want to vibe with the 90s kind of theme and have that in the back of your head, that's fine. If something else comes up, that's even better. And there's only five. I won't keep you all day. (laughs) Uh, First song you can remember hearing that you loved. Oh, wow. That I loved. (laughs) (laughs) Stumped you right off the bat. I, yeah. um, The unforgettable duet with Natalie Cole and Nat King Cole. And forevermore. And forevermore. That's how you'll stay. That's how you'll stay. That's why, darling, it's incredible that someone so unforgettable thinks that I am unforgettable too. I just, I loved, I mean, my parents thought it was so wild that I was so little and I loved kind of like jazz standards and and that was my introduction to that kind of thing. And they bought me the cassette and I remember the video with her singing with her dad and I was like, that seemed like magic. Whoa, he's not here. She's in a video. This is wild. And I just love the magic of that. Beautiful. How about a song that makes you feel the most uh, nostalgic, kind of sparks memories for you? God Only Knows by the Beach Boys. If you should ever leave me Though life would still go on, believe me The world could show nothing to me So what good would living do me? God only knows what I'd be without you I think it's like possibly the best song ever written. It crumbles me and it makes me feel so much melancholy and happiness at the same time. It's like this incredible memory hemorrhage of the past and the future and joy and love and loss. Like it's just such a brilliant song. Oh, that's what's so great about music. How about your go-to song uh, for dancing or uh, a tune that you hear and you just can't sit still when you hear it? (laughs) Okay, so speaking to the 90s, I'm still obsessed with those CNC Music Factory songs where Martha Wash is singing the hook. I am obsessed with them. So you can't dance, so you can't dance no more. Get on the floor and get warm. Come back and upside down easy now. Let me see you move.
like I can't sit still if that comes on. Oh, me either. Hey, that was good. You should cover that one somehow. Mix that one together. <laughs> no, anything with a rap, I think, is off the table. <laughs> well, Doug, maybe Doug could uh, help out on that one. Please don't give him any ideas. Please. <laughs> um, okay, how about the song that makes you feel like working out or maybe motivates you to do something that you don't feel like doing at the time? <laughs> um, probably everybody <laughs> does. No, no. Um, I love grooves in the heart. Baby, you'll see that rhythm is a key. Get, get, witty, witty, can't think, quitty, quitty, stomp on a stoop when I hear funk group. Blue play a pop pipe, follow her to shoot. Baby, just sing about the grooves. Sing it. Grooves in the heart. That's a, I put that on if I need to get some stuff done. Delight. That's a good one. Okay, last one is a song that lifts you up when you're feeling down. Anytime You Need a Friend by Mariah Carey. love the way they arranged and mixed the choir and the fact that the choir comes in so immediately on like a triple forte and it's like you will not be sad anymore like it's so rare usually just when an arrangement comes in like that it eases in it's quiet when that first chorus hits the choir is like so powerful and inspirational and you can't listen to that and not feel good uh you're absolutely right morgan james uh, it's been wonderful to get to know you a little more thank you so much for enriching our lives with your music Oh, thank you so much for chatting with me today and for your thoughtful questions. It's always a pleasure. Hey, I don't know if you know this, but you're the first two-time guest on uh, Music Journeys. You know, forget about these other award nominations, you know, Grammy nods in the future, these other things come and go, but two-time guest on Music Journeys. That's some rarefied air and should be wow. at the top of your list of accomplishments, huh? Maybe I not. feel pretty yeah. honored. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I really appreciate your time. Take care. All right, thanks. Bye. Bye. I'm Mike Foley. Talk to you again on the next Music Journey.
Did you know that Big Bird was originally supposed to fly on the Challenger space shuttle? Or how about this one? The guy who invented Pringles was buried inside a Pringles can. Ever heard of Willie Higginbotham? All of these are episodes of the Internet Says It's True podcast. Every week is a bizarre story from history that sounds fake, but is absolutely true. It's like taking a history class, but where all the topics are weird and fun. You can listen through the podcast experience at WCBE.org and subscribe on the NPR One app. The Internet Says It's True. Donating a car, truck, or other vehicle that you don't need anymore to WCBE is an easy way to help us bring you the music, and it's a great way to declutter. We'll arrange to have it picked up, get top dollar for it, and use the funds to bring you more music. Learn more today at wcbe.org slash cars.